Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Welcome to the Become More Disco, where we are always spinning. (laughs) Or maybe we're always shiny. I'm seeing the disco ball and I'm seeing all the reflections. (laughs) Always ready to get down. Ooh, there you go. So many possibilities there. So many. I'm thinking of the John Travolta Santa commercial that's going on right now. I know. I love that. The first time I saw it, it was like, is that really him? (laughs) And by him, you meant Santa, right? No, John. And he was like, (laughs) he's making fun of himself, which I think is hysterical. Yeah. And when the the gal goes, where have you been? The North Pole. (laughs) Those folks who have not seen that movie, it's actually a really good spoof. You know, now it is... January and we are past those great holiday commercials and we're deep into January get it done mode here. <laughs> it's a new year and yeah, back to work. You know, last week our back to work topic was self appraisals and a little bit worked in there about self-awareness and how important that is to creating a, a look for yourself ahead and back again. This week, I wanted to talk about the other side of the appraisal process, the manager's responsibility in giving appraisals. And what do you guys think are the most important things for a manager to do in that space, in that timing? Oh, I love that question. Go for it, Scott. You go first this time. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, you need to do it. Absolutely. How many people have we heard, and I haven't gotten an appraisal or gotten any feedback for, and they fill in a number like 12 months, 18 months. I've heard people years and never, ever had a boss sit down and formally talk to them about performance. Yeah, you are right, Scott. Yeah, so first and foremost, you need to do it. I would say second thing you need to do is just frankly be honest and give people honest feedback about what they're doing well and where they have areas areas of improvement. What is striking me with this topic is the concept of leaders not being willing or confident or strong enough to tell someone they meet Because they're like, well, meets is, they feel like, well, that's bad. And so then they artificially inflate the feedback. Right. And we see that in so many organizations. Oh, you're doing amazing. And then you talk with the leader. They're like, oh, they're a pain in the ass. They're hard to work with. It's like, well, they're last. They're first on my, on my layoff list when I have a chance to lay somebody off. And then you look at the reviews. It's like, wait a minute. One plus one doesn't equal two here. You know, we have a chapter in our book and the chapter is around being a truth teller. And one of the pieces about telling the truth is you have to be able to give both sides of the coin. 
So a lot of leaders err on the side of let's build them up, right? Let's tell them all the good stuff about them. And Scott, I agree with you. Like one, we need to tell them that. However, we shouldn't inflate it. So if it's just good enough, it's just good enough. And if there's places that they're superstars, then we should tell them that they're superstars. Yes. And all of us have stuff that's good enough. And all of us probably have stuff that's better than good enough. We exceed expectations. So let's go ahead and tell that truth and not inflate it. Just what is your perspective on those things? However, you're not a truth teller if you also can't come to the other side. And sometimes it's not because the job requires fill in the blank. All right. However, there is a downside, the good, the bad, and the ugly of every single human being. And if you can't talk to someone about the downside, even if it has nothing to do with whether or not they stay employed, if you can't point to things and say, this is an area of improvement, this is a gap, this is something that's keeping you from being able to continue to progress in your career. If you can't say those things, you are not a truth teller and you are not trustworthy. And that's what all the research says. We have to be even handed. We have to be able to see this person as a whole being and talk about it. And when we can talk about it in a way that's not emotional, when we can talk about it in a way that is not blaming, when we can just simply say, this is what I see, these are my observations, and kind of say that in a really neutral way, then what happens in these appraisals is I can trust you because you are telling the whole truth, not just part of the truth. And Scott, that's one of the reasons you left one of your major opportunities employment is because no one would tell you the downside. Yeah, I was frequently told, no, you're doing all the right things. No, you're doing these things right. It's great. It's but that person is better suited for that role or whatever. And or I would get what I would call bullshit feedback that, oh, you, you know, you don't talk. One of the pieces of feedback was, well, people don't think, you know, budgeting well. And I'd be like, okay, well, that's probably not demonstrating that. So then I'd work diligently and then check that box because I'd go and I'd be like, okay, everything good. Yep. Um, To the point of there was a job opening that everyone assumed I would apply for and I didn't. And my boss said, well, why didn't you apply for that? And I said, well, and I, you know, I've applied for this and was, I just, I haven't really gotten any feedback in the last year. And so I figured nothing has probably changed. So why bother applying and wasting everyone's time interviewing? And my boss said, well, that's a silly reason. And I provided feedback to my boss, something like, no, actually, what is silly is asking for feedback, not getting real feedback, not knowing what to work on to get better. That seems a lot more silly than not applying for a job. And I think this happens a lot, yeah. even when we have a formal appraisal system, right? And a, a boss dutifully does it. If we are not actually looking at that as an opportunity to formalize the conversations that we should have been having for the whole year, And putting in there, let me tell you what you are doing really well. Let me tell you about these areas where, you know, you are meeting the organizational expectations. And then let's have a conversation about areas where you need to grow or it would be good for you 
if you grow. And there's that's two different things. Need to means in order for you to continue here, you need to change. And good for you is, hey, here's an opportunity. Even if you don't do it, you're still okay. However, this would be great in terms of your career progression and the other things in life that you want to accomplish. And I think that for whatever reason, and I, I think there's a gazillion excuses. The number one is I don't have time to do this with all my direct reports. And for whatever your excuse is as a boss, looking at those formal time periods and recognizing that it's a gift to your staff to actually give them your perspective, upper management's perspective, so that that human being can make decisions on their own about what they're going to do about that. They can accept your perspective. They can reject their pers- your perspective. They can do something or choose not to do something. However, how many times have you known someone that the organization was not going to promote, the organization was not going to give them the next chance, and no one had ever said anything to that person about why? To me, that's cruel. To me, that is not taking care of your people. And if so many people say, you know, I got into leadership because I love people. Well, if you actually care about people, you need to tell them hard truths as well as the truths that are fun and easy and energizing and exciting. It's part of the responsibility of leadership. And if you can't handle telling someone what's not working for them so that they have a chance to decide what they want to do about that, you are the person that's keeping that person from being successful. And I do think that that is the main crux of performance evaluations. Managers see it as a task instead of seeing it as the development opportunity that it is. And personally, start with telling the person about the stuff that's going really well because the research is clear. Start with, this is what's working for you and then move to the other. And, you know, you got the form and that's fine, but push the form aside, have the conversation. This is the stuff that's going well. And here's some opportunity because this is about relationship. This is about truth telling. This is about giving this person the opportunity to make decisions for themselves. You know, ideally the form is a technical formality. Ideally the form is laid out that way. I think there's there's just this piece of, I'm probably still stuck on the, I don't have time to give that amount of feedback to my direct reports. Does that kill Well, actually, if someone told me that, I would say it sounds like you have too many direct reports then. But also says that you don't care about me. Don't get me wrong. I have seen organizations where like, they have 30 direct reports. That's wrong. I agree that that is excessive and, and difficult to give give that much feedback. In the end, it is about giving feedback. And if you as a leader don't care enough to boost the performance of your direct reports and your team, then in a very direct and loving and kind way, you haven't earned the right to be a a leader. No. And in fact, you've missed some of your leadership responsibilities. Too many leaders think my job and my only job is to get the results of my department. Right. Okay. But that is not their only job. That is a piece of their job. One of those things is you've been made the steward of that department. 
And that really does mean that you have to take all, all of the resources that have been given to you in that department and make the most of them. That's what a good steward does. And one of those resources is staff. And that's not by saying, hey, I'm going to work you until you die. It's about saying, how do I help this person become the most efficient and effective human being? And how can I add additional skill sets so that they can continue to add more and more and more value to the organization, not by working more and more hours, but by the work that they do, the thinking that they do, and how they actually get things done inside the organization. You can level that up forever because all of us have more potential than we are currently reaching. And that is a responsibility of leadership. And how many leaders go, that's not my job. My job is just to hit the numbers. Oh my gosh, that kills me. When I think. Right. The other thing you said, Tammy, that I think bears repeating is that idea of what's holding somebody back in an organization. And the manager has to be aware enough to see that situation for what it is. But I, I think sometimes in an appraisal, it feels like bringing up that time you missed a deadline or that one client you lost or bringing up the negative things is a thing to do to somebody to revisit something that we've already know was didn't go well. But when you can put it into the context of here's some themes that are probably holding you back. And here's an example of what I'm talking about. And you're not just dredging up the old hurts and fights, but putting them into a a context that helps somebody understand how they can become more, as you say. It's that idea of what's holding you back, not let me litanize your mistakes. We sit in the C-suite frequently. And one of the things that happens in that space is we're looking at staff. We're kind of evaluating staff and saying, you know, where are our superstars? Where are our workhorses? Where do we have individuals who are not adding value to the organization? I mean, those are really normal conversations. And oftentimes we have someone in middle management who is saying, hey, Carmen's a rock star. And when they say that to upper management, executive management, they're like, Carmen? Oh, I see, fill in the blank, okay? And when you as a boss are saying, this person I see adds tremendous value, and then the reputation of your peers or the the executives in the organization doesn't match what you see, there's an opportunity there. And if you as a boss don't look and listen, not not deny that reputation, but listen to that reputation. And if you don't go back and say, hey, you know, um, there is a perception that I think would be really helpful for you to work on. And I actually had this conversation with someone that I coached yesterday. And she is, she's brilliant. I adore her. And she's really, really brilliant. I also know that her reputation is that she's emotional. And so when she and I were talking yesterday, I very specifically said, now, when you discuss this, it's really important that you take the emotion out of it and you go into neutral. So because we don't want people to see your bubbly personality as someone who is overly emotional, we want them to see you as being, you know, measured. And that is not saying, hey, you're overly emotional. 
what it's saying is we don't want people to have that perception of you. And so there are ways that you can actually address this without saying you're a problem. And there are ways that I don't have to go in and say, people see you as overly emotional. It's in conversation saying, this is how you could do that to ensure that. And these are the kind of the methodologies. It's not just telling the truth. It's how do you tell the truth or your perception of the truth in a way that gives that other person the opportunity to hear it instead of reject it, and then do something with that. And what are the specific how-to skill sets that you can give them in that particular spot so they can be successful? The other piece is, as a leader, I need to be discerning (laughs) to say, what feedback do they need right now? I might have, hey, here's 20 things that they could get better on. Which two or three are the most important right now, or which one or two? I was going to say, max three is a lot, okay? And so if, I mean, depending on how big they are, but right. it might be, hey, these one or two things would really elevate. boost you. And then those other ones, I just need to store away and assess later because many times that list of 20 or that list of five or six, if they f- focus on the top one or two, those other ones may improve automatically because there's bleed over or flow over on the work they do. And many times I see the kind of the two opposite ends of the spectrum. I really don't give feedback or I back up the dump truck and I bury them and then they're frustrated and they're froze. They're, I mean, they get frozen and what the hell do I do? Well, too much bad news, not delivered in a way that I can hear it, makes the reptilian brain go into overdrive and I actually fight or flight or freeze. And that doesn't help anyone. And so, Scott, I love that piece. We need to be a truth teller. We have to, however, be very discerning about what stuff is has risen to the top enough to talk about. And again, Again, a pattern of behavior, Carmen, to go back to you, not a one-off, right? It's a pattern of behavior that has risen to the top and it is enough for us to have this conversation. And if they were to work on that, it moves the needle. It makes a difference. There is a return on investment. If by working on that, there is no return on investment, let's not even talk about it. So if you're looking at that, what is the one or two if there's minor things, three, but reality is, is most of us have a couple of things that honestly we struggle with and talking about that, bringing that to the forefront and saying, Hey, you know, this would be an opportunity. It would make a difference if you were to work on that. And that's the stuff we should be talking about. These nitpicky things, you, you, you know, you screwed up a client conversation. Okay. It's not like we haven't all done that wrong day, wrong time, wrong words, whatever it is. If there's a pattern behavior that we can point to and say, not that one, when we put them all together, it's this thing. That's great. But one client that's mad at you, that's like 360s. Don't look at those one-off comments. Look for the patterns and the patterns, the trends, the themes that will give you the things that might make a difference. If you decide to put effort. I would add in it's, it's the pattern of behaviors and it's the impact. So if that pattern of behavior is really not creating an impact, then you as a leader have to get over it and you don't even talk about it. And the impact can't be, it frustrates me. 
Congratulations. That's- get over it. What is the impact to the organization or the team? The customer, the right. Customer, et cetera. Those are the themes you really want to pay attention to because that's what's holding you back organizationally. And sometimes these small things, they're not small. And it is this piece that when there is an opportunity, be that truth teller because people will come to trust you in that space if you are able to name it, not blame them, and stand with them as they grow with it, as well as cheer them on with the stuff that's going well at the same time. That balance becomes where we start building that trusting relationship. And when you have a trusting relationship as a leader with your staff, now those conversations get easier and easier and easier because you don't have to worry as much about how you say it because they know your intentions are positive. So balance it, talk about the things that give you the return on investment and in that space, be willing to say things that are not easy in a way that people can hear you. And it will change these appraisals to actually growth conversations. And in the end, that's what this is. is. It's not about assessing how you suck. It's about assessing and discussing where your growth opportunities are for the future. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.